It's no secret that the bright lights of Los Angeles attract dreamers from all over the world. The allure of making it tends to outweigh the struggles expected along the journey. And while hard work and talent are absolute must-haves, sometimes the best way to find joy is to perform on a stage you've crafted yourself. Something Andy Grammer knows all too well. Because those moments on the street when the crowd will rock with me I felt like the biggest man, the biggest man in Los Angeles Andrew Charles Grammer was born in the City of Angels, but grew up on the East Coast in Chesterton, New York. Though often seen with a guitar in his hand, Andy's first instrument, believe it or not, was the trumpet. At 15, he started putting pen to paper, writing songs, and by 20, he was back out west working on a BA in music industry studies from California State University. I'm just saying it's fine by me if you Andy Grammer started like most musicians, at the bottom. For his first two years out of college, he spent eight hours a day, every day, street performing on Santa Monica's Third Street Promenade. And although his primary goal was to make enough to cover rent, for Andy, it also meant something more. It meant the art of telling stories, positive stories, through song. Playing music for complete strangers passing by, and if even for a moment, sharing a connection. But you gotta keep your head up, oh, and you can let your head down. The catchiness and relatability of Keep Your Head Up would earn Andy a record deal with S-Curve Label Group, giving him the opportunity to craft a music video, which would debut as the iTunes Video of the Week. Billboard magazine named him an artist to watch, and in June of 2011, he would release the first project, which quickly landed him a number one spot on the Billboard Heat Seekers album chart. No, no, honey, I'm good. I could have another, but I probably should not. Fast forward a few years, and Andy Grammer would prove he wasn't a lightning strikes once kind of artist. Honey, I'm Good would break Billboard's top 10 and become certified triple platinum. The following year, he'd lace up his dancing shoes to compete on Dancing with the Stars, where America would see the artist behind the songs was just as lovable and relatable as his music. So suddenly, I'm in love with a stranger. He quickly continued to grow his catalog of hits, including Fresh Eyes, Smoke Clears, and the lead song of the Five Feet Apart music soundtrack, Don't Give Up On Me. Quite possibly the most positive artist in pop music today, Andy Grammer has always written from his heart, but it was with the release of his fourth studio album, Naive, that he'd write a song deeper than the rest. Frustrated by the realization that his young daughter would never get the opportunity to meet his mom who passed away in 2009, he spoke with a medium who told Andy his mother wanted him to write a song in her voice, a song that would give her granddaughter the advice she'd need to navigate life as if she said it herself. He collaborated with his mom's favorite choir, the Ladysmith Black Mombazo of South Africa, to write She'd Say. She'd say, beautiful, but don't you overplay that card. She'd say, spiritual, so don't ever forget that part. It's one thing to chase a dream as an artist, but in the words of Andy Grammer, ultimately, it all comes down to finding the joy within your passion and staying true to your own happiness. My name is Eric Zachary, and this is The Spot Podcast, where famous people spot off about more than what they're famous for. And today, that's Andy Grammer. Andy Grammer, this is a long time coming. How are you, man? Good, dude. Nice to see you again, apparently. You, you too. We're, yeah, so I was just reminding besties. you a little bit, man. I, I will, we'll keep this brief. Um, I 
don't want to embarrass myself too much, but also you as well with, with too many accolades. But I go all the way back to, you know, obviously keep your head up, but biggest man in LA ladies, like those are the kinds of songs that made me want to interview musicians. So awesome. we got to talk, you know, probably eight, nine years ago. And it was like one of my first interviews and I walked away going, I love that. That was incredible. I just met someone that I've always wanted to talk to, but I was a little unfulfilled. And I think it's because I didn't know the art of interviewing yet. And I realized I didn't want to interview you. I just wanted to have a conversation with you. Yeah. I just, I just want to talk, man. So let's just kick it off. How was Halloween? I saw you had the girls, you did wizard of Oz. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. I have a one and a four year old and, um, Man, it was it was wild and crazy and and really fun and tiring and amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all of the above, all all, yeah. all the boxes. Yeah, I saw that uh, Louis was into it. Izzy was not. Yes. Yeah. That they eventually both got into it. It was it was really sweet. We uh, yeah we went around and it's all kind of coming back. Last year Halloween was a little bit canceled, so this year it was really really fun. You have been kind of that nonstop touring musician. I mean. It's in your bones, obviously, yeah. if people don't know. You know, your dad was a touring musician. Your mom was a feminist icon. Um, your dad still is a touring musician. And then you kind of grew up, and, and you literally got your start by playing on Third Street Promenade. And I, yeah. I love, if you've never heard the song, Biggest Man in L.A., because some songs tell stories. This song is a movie, specifically. And I'm taking it back to the OGs. <laughs> but this, if you hear this, and you're a, a creator of any kind, you can assimilate yourself to putting your best self out there and just watching people not pay pay attention. And that's like one of the most crushing yeah. things to get over. Yeah. This is the game, man. This is, if you're in any sort of creative uh, profession or just like, just as a hobby, the whole game is, can you get over putting yourself out there and having no one care? So how did you do that? If you can, yeah. then that's the gas to the whole thing, in my opinion. And I don't know, there's not a ton of talk about that, especially on the creative side. Um, about just how how intense that is you know like it, it gets glossed over people are like oh you're moving to los angeles a lot of rejection well, but that's kind of it <laughs> as opposed to like no, no 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 this is a whole dojo to get good at uh there's like a whole practice to get good at of trying some like putting yourself out there failing and getting back at getting back up and i just love trying to be as transparent as possible about that with so that anyone that's an artist is listening can just know that they're probably doing better than they think they're doing. Yeah. You know? So if you go back to that kid playing in Santa Monica, I mean, what was his biggest problem at the time that you could just right now say, Andy, it's fine. You're going to be okay. Um, mostly just like trying to pay rent. Yeah. <laughs> was just like how much time you have to stay out performing as a street performer to get enough money to, to have that pay your rent. So that was always just like a big stress. So I would usually try to go um, for eight hours, but sometimes you have to just stay longer. Oh and, and then sometimes it would rain and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, I didn't have a backup plan for this. Yeah, what? I would just like relax a little bit about like, you're going to be fine. You're going to just work hard. If you work hard and you, and you show up every day, things work themselves out. That is something that obviously we hear people talk about a lot, but it's still reassuring to hear that, you know, from someone that has quote unquote made it or at least gotten to a point where uh, to be cheesy for a second, you know, you can accept that it feels good to be you, obviously quoting the yeah. song. Um, 
what was your contingency plan? If you had a day where it rained or you didn't have enough money yet, what were you doing? Man, you know, I would do, it was always kind of like a bunch of different things that were all around music. So I, I like was weaseled my way into book acoustic acts at the Viper Room, made like a little bit of money doing that. Um, just like always kind of wheeling and dealing, figuring out how to get myself to somehow make some money, but also only around music. Mm-hmm. So I like came up with something with a bunch of people. We, me and my friend came up with something called Birds on a Wire. I don't even know why we named it that, but we basically said like we're gonna make a CD. This is way back when CDs were a part of things, <laughs> and we're like we're gonna make a tour that uh, everyone who's on the CD throws a show from their city, and then I'll go play all the shows in all the cities. Oh my god, I love. And so that. it wasn't even like no one came to any of the shows, <laughs> and no one cared. But I got to put up on my MySpace at the time that, like, I'm going on tour and I'm playing Chicago and I'll be in Wisconsin yeah. and I'll be in Boston and I'm going to be in. And it was the deal was, like, to the to some, like, loose friend in in Boston, like, just throw a, a small show at some bar and then I'll put your song on this CD. And we're just, like, always trying to creatively come up with ways to keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, like, I, I think that's a big piece of this is, like, you got to make your art. It's got to be, you got to deal with fear in that regard. And then you also have to just figure out how to get yourself out there and, and yeah. continue to push and keep going. And, and, and the truth is, is that like, it was so much more fun than anything else I could be doing. Right. So I, I didn't really spend a lot of time worrying or thinking about like, man, maybe I should not do this and, and do something else. It was like, no, this is so much more fun than like, I don't know, being a waiter or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not good at that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Even if it I'm was fun, it. I would suck at it. So that's that's a I'm problem. I'm not good at that. You don't want me doing that. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about uh, the idea of basically putting all of these different musicians and, and artists on, on this mixtape, essentially. What would that look like today? If In today's day and age, with Twitch, with streaming, I mean, would that be based in a digital landscape, or would you still like to I see it live? today it would be like a bunch of kids on TikTok that were all good that made a playlist yeah. on Spotify. And they all decided that they were going to promote it together as a, like 12 people. That would be interesting. I like that. Uh, and then everybody would get to hear. And then maybe those 12 people somehow figure out a way to go on tour. Just kind of like always like waking up. So much of what just life is outside of artistry is like waking up and going like, I want to do this. And the world goes like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, but I want to. No to that. Yeah. And then you get to go like, um, okay, well, I'm going to figure out a way to still make it happen. There's definitely luck involved, but luck shows up when you are someone who's kind of always looking, pushing and moving forward and trying to, to create stuff, you know, just like always be moving. So to me, there's just like so much about what your engine is and can you keep your engine like going? Mm-hmm. You know, I live in Los Angeles, so there's a lot of artists and musicians and actors. And the ones that I now have been here for like 10, 15 years, the ones that you suddenly see on a billboard, you could tell before, for me at least, before even gauging like how talented they were, a lot of times it's like, oh, no, that, that person's a doer. Like that person doesn't wait for, for someone to come anoint them. They're not waiting for their big break. They're just doing. Yeah. They're doing the thing that makes them really happy and they're following joy and they're just like, they wake up and they go after it. And a lot of times that is um, very humbling. Like I, when I was street performing, that's not like a glamorous situation. Mm-hmm. But I was out there with 
big, huge ambition and then having to, to hold space for small, humble actions to get you there. Yeah. And the, the, the contrast of those just means you're holding a lot of space in yourself all the time. Because you're like, in my heart, I knew like, oh man, I do have this weird sense that I could write songs that would touch a lot of people and make a lot of people feel something and be of service to them. So I know that. To me, that's true. Mm -hmm. And then what I'm getting back from the world is like, no, like hard pass. And so then you have to take these like small, really humble steps while still having this huge ambition and just hold the tension of all that together as you move through the world. And that, that's, that's interesting and difficult. That's the magic trick. <laughs> if you can keep all yeah. of the plates spinning and by plates, I don't just mean talent or work. I mean, your head and your mental space there too, you know, all of that. Yeah. And not taking every single thing is like, Oh, that's another sign mm -hmm. that it's not going to happen or the world doesn't want me. Or that's another person who doesn't get what I do. It's just a lot. There's gotta be a mental space in your head to like, I do have a sense that this is my purpose. And so then I'm just going to keep showing up every day and putting in my, putting in my time. So when you hit that point, whether it was after keep your head up or, or maybe even a further quote unquote commercial success of like, honey, I'm good. And you stop getting so many people saying no. And you start getting a lot of yes men too, that I, I assume someone like yourself is good at blocking out. Like, okay, I'm, I'm still trying to stay my track here. How do you balance that, that fear to innovate and keep being creative with not doing something wrong and losing it? What I just keep going back to is like, why are you doing something? Are you doing it out of joy or out of fear? It's like a really good litmus test. If you're doing it out of joy, it's usually because you're interested in it and it sounds fascinating and you want to be a part of it. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Doing it out of fear, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to be left behind or I'm afraid that people won't like me being just myself, so I should try and twist it to fit into whatever's happening right now. Or There's just so much time where you are creating a safe space for yourself that I, that I don't think we talk about. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so I want to go street perform. There's so much in there when I go street perform that's like, why are you doing this? No one cares. You never make any money doing it. Uh, you're just wasting time. All your friends have jobs. This is like after college. Yeah. Are you really going to go spend eight hours on the street right now working on your craft? Don't you know that that's stupid? Like, that's all in there happening pretty loud. That's the radio station that gets played. So you have to kind of create enough space that that same radio station plays when you sit down to write a song. It's like, dude, do you really think you're that good? Do you think you know you're going to write something that everybody's going to love? Like, really? To just actually get stuff out of you, there is so much internal creation of space to go have a conversation with your own fear and be like, hey, I know you're here. I know you're going to tell me that I suck terribly, but I, I'm going to do this still. Yeah. So if you could be quiet for a little bit, I know you hate everything I do. I'm still just going to do it. So like the person that is able to figure out that relationship and show up and just continually work on things they love and follow their joy, it's like endless what's possible. I genuinely believe that. But the first battle is in your own self and your own head to be able to still create and to still take steps forward with humility uh, while you're attacking yourself. This episode of The Spot Podcast is brought to you by Raycon Wireless Earbuds. I'm just going to jump right to the point. Hands down, the most comfortable wireless earbuds I've ever put in my ear. And that's saying something. I've tried them all. Okay. These don't have that plastic feel, that hard feel, the ear fatigue or even pain that you get with some of the others. And the new everyday earbuds look, feel, 
and sound better than ever. They are ready for the task. Whether you're working, you need that pure mode so you can hear talking. Maybe you're listening to a podcast like Spout. They've got balance mode, keeps you right in the middle. And then bass mode when you're working out or you just want all of the bass. I get it. I'm right there with you. They last all day, eight hours of playtime, 32 hours of battery life. Of course, they have a mic, so you're set for the Zoom meetings or the FaceTime calls. And they start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And you don't even have to believe that. You just got to try them out. They come with a 45-day happiness guarantee. So jump on it right now. Spout listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash spout. That's buyraycon.com slash spout to save 15% on Raycons. Buyraycon.com slash spout. The Art of Joy Tour, getting ready to kick that off. Coming fast. Yes. Oh my gosh, man. Ugh. I can't even... I Because I, I just did my first in-person interview last week with J.P. Sachs. My first time in two years, right? Like, so I can't even oh, imagine me getting that thrill. Right. Super, super awesome, dude. Just the thrill I had talking to him on a stage to an empty auditorium. So the idea yeah. of, you know, playing a show again in, in a room with uh, people. It's really, it's like an addicting drug to have like, I don't even know if this is going to sound cheesy, but like audible unity with everybody. Like when everybody sings something together, mm-hmm. there's just something magical that that happens. And I don't care whether it's like some, I don't, I don't even care what the lyric is. <laughs> it's like such a wide array of like, could be people singing in a church, could be people singing like obscenities together. It's just magic mm. when everybody does it together. And I really, really miss that, that feeling. And just, you know, when I get on stage, I can't think of other things. You're not worried about something that's going on difficult in this situation or your family stuff or whatever. You just, for an hour and a half, you're just like locked in mm-hmm. and uh, your mind kind of goes blank and you just have an incredible fun time. The frequency with which I got to do that now, I really appreciate how lucky and special that is. It's, re- it's amazing. For sure. You know, I, I say that like, I know how lucky that is. The analogy I make is that there's like a bunch of astronauts and only a couple get to go to the moon. And I know that I'm so lucky to get onto a stage and have people sing back music that is my favorite type of music to make. Yeah. And so I just, I will come back to this tour with a crazy appreciation. I don't think I ever took it for granted, but I, I will appreciate it somehow way more yeah. when we go out on this tour. As we start to wrap up, I know to an extent, and I can fathom to a further extent, what it's like to have someone sing words that you wrote back to you, your story back to you. And yeah. I'm not trying to to tap too deep into uh, you know something that's going to strike too hard, but your song, Ladies, I have a very, very one-on-one best friend relationship with my mother. And I, I like to think mm. that I was always a good guy. And then I hear a song like that when I'm in college and I go, okay, let's step back. You know, this is, this is a great way to continue to move forward and being a fighter for women, being an ally, listening. And then I go, okay, that's my anthem. Then you put out something called She'd Say. And <laughs> my, my mom's grandmother or my mom's uh, father passed away before I was born and he's an aviator. He is a pilot and I became a pilot as just for fun because of that kind of thing. So you hear a song like that. I don't think I've, I've been able to hear it without goosebumps, without being on the verge of tears. I know she hasn't. I can't even imagine what it's like for you to play that. And, and it affects people live in front of you. Yeah. The best part about art and being a musician is that it doesn't really fit we try hard to make it fit into a business, right? We, we set up all these different things and we have benchmarks to know if it's working or not. 
But the best part about being in a career like art is that you're chasing what you just said. You're chasing, like, what does it mean to be here as a human? And how do I capture these little truths about life? And how do I capture something that's actually hard, really hard to capture, something spiritual? Oh, my God, if I, can get, if I could bottle that thing and then share that with everybody, that is outside of commerce. It is outside of, like, ticket sales. It's outside of anything. It's, like, why you would jump out of bed to try to go make something like that, you know? And, uh, yeah, it gives me goosebumps every time. And I, the story I'm sure you've heard, but I'll share, is that I, it was like a medium who told me that my mom wanted me to write a song to my daughter. Yeah. My mom passed away when I was 25. Th- again, so far outside of anything that has to do with business. It's just like, oh, my God, <laughs> this medium told me to write a song that my deceased mother is saying she wants me to tell my daughter everything that she would say oh if she was gosh. here. Holy crap. Yeah. So I start furiously writing out all these lyrics that I want to try to get get into it. Mm-hmm. And then her favorite group was Ladysmith Black Mombazo, which was the Graceland Paul Simon album. It's a South African group. Yeah. And somehow we chased them down oh and they came gosh. in the studio and they sang in Zulu. They're singing, I miss my mom and this is what she'd say. And this is like it. Like nothing else matters. Yeah. This is what you're chasing. You're chasing these moments of transcendence. Through art, I don't try. I'm not trying to be pretentious, right? But like, there's way better ways to uh, just make money, yeah, than to try to do music. Yeah, the reason that you're in music or in art is to like shift the invisible things inside yourself and others, uh, and that's like such a great service if you do it at a high level. And then to play shows and get to yeah to play that song and have people come up and and tell me what it meant to them and. And like, oh, my grandma, I know that she wanted me to come to the show to hear that. It's just like the tentacles go so far out. And now you're playing with like a magic thing that makes you feel way more like Harry Potter than some sort of like rock star. Yeah. And that's the whole point. Like, that's the reason to to do this. I had an idea in my head of what it would be like to be on the receiving end of hearing you talk about that. And it didn't even come close to to what what it is to actually have this conversation. Um, (laughs) I'm going to to end. I wasn't going to bring it up. I talked to Ed Sheeran over the summer, and the only reason I'm bringing this up, total name drop, I'm understand. But Love he's, it. No, he it. started on the street, and um, he and I had a conversation about you know following your passion and what happens when your passion becomes work, and what do you do to still find joy in life. And there's so many similarities between what you're saying. So I asked him a question. I don't like to ask musicians the same question if I can avoid it, but I am genuinely curious. If you could go back and play on the street, right now without anyone knowing who andy grammar is just the total automaty that that is third street promenade what three songs of your catalog would you play i would play a song called 85 which is one of my favorite songs to play live i try to write music that brings me back to my center so when i get on stage i'm not singing like i am all these things i'm singing like oh i desperately want to be these things yeah and so hopefully this brings me back and that the hook of that one is I don't want to be 85 singing. Oh, no, I think I missed it. I was chasing money. Like singing that and having everybody sing that back to me is so sick. But I would play that one. I would play Don't Give Up On Me because it seems to have this effect where it makes people not want to give up on themselves. And I really love that. I think that's uh, just really a really special thing to try to give to someone. Mm -hmm. And the third one that I would play... 
I would play, uh, I know this sounds like a plug, but it's not. My newest single, Damn It Feels Good to Be Me. Because I just think so much of life gets so much better when you are genuinely able to stop caring how you're perceived. Like, we waste so much time worrying about how others are perceiving us as opposed to going like, all right, I'm this person in this body and I'm put here and I have my own special gifts. And man, if I lean into what those are, my quirks, my uniqueness, that will take me down a very certain path that is probably in some ways made for me. And I don't want to waste time trying to get myself to fit into a current situation. So right now, singing that song and promoting it and being out and doing it, I've had like a couple little shows. And when you get in front of a crowd, you definitely have a question of like, all right, what do you guys need right now? Mm -hmm. And singing Damn It Feels Good To Be Me has been a lot less about like, what do you need? And how do I just like own who I am and give you who I am? And then hopefully that's what you need. Yeah. And that that is like a big, sweet shift for me that I would love to try to pass on to as many people as possible. Speaking to you is a therapy session. Has have you ever been told oh this God. before? <laughs> I'm the worst to like for small talk. Everybody that works with me tells me that. The same thing like getting into an Uber and I just want to go like, what's up? Yeah. How, what's your relationship with your dad like? What's your How are you? Yeah. What's your life like? What's your earth sign? Let's let's go deep. Let's go in. Yeah. I got that from my mom for sure. She was just not interested in anything that didn't have to do with your spirit. So it's like kind of like the zone that I like to hang out in. You were beyond gracious to give a 22-year-old kid an interview backstage at the House of Blues. Beyond that, you did a personal shout out to my mom on her on my phone because uh, it was her birthday at the time. And yeah. I am so sorry to put you on the spot and you, but my mom is sitting right next to me uh, for this hey, interview. Get her in. So I need to give her a very brief meet and greet so she can say hi because I don't think. How are we doing, mom? I'm beyond blessed to be alive. Uh, I, awesome. I think a lot Happy of you, birthday. Andy. I think a lot of my son, he is my hero. Uh, more than I'm his hero, I'm his yeah. biggest fan. And I just, I cry when I listen to your music. Thank you. <laughs> and you just, you mean a lot. <laughs> she, um, Thank you so much. I, what a great way to start the day. I know, God. man. I don't think there's a, a name of an artist that's spoken more to, like, hey, Alexa, play Andy Grammer. Oh, I'm going to trigger her right now. Then your name in my household. With that said, awesome. uh, you're playing Chicago February 17th. I will be there with my mother. I am so yes. excited to see you live. But Andy, thank awesome. you beyond what these words will mean for taking the time to talk to me, man. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for it. having me. And just so you know, being in my seat, uh, there is a real difference when someone is uh, genuine and cares and prepares for an interview. Makes the whole thing really great. So thank you, man. To see more of our conversation with Andy Grammer, follow Spout underscore podcast on IG or Twitter or at spoutpodcast.com. Next week, Oliver Tree spouts off. The Spout Podcast is presented by Alpha Media, produced by Gorilla Sound, and created by Phil Becker. Spout. <laughs>